Hey there, friends. How's it going? My name is Kyle Devlin, and I am the host of this podcast. This is the Having a Blast podcast. Having a Blast is a pop punk and emo podcast where we'll be doing a deep dive on important albums and bands. We'll also be speaking with band members, producers, and friends. If you happen to like what you hear, if you could do me a huge favor, perhaps give us a five-star review. That just really helps get the algorithms working in our favor, and then more people can hear the podcast. Or Another thing that really helps us out is if you share it with a friend. If you've got a friend that enjoys this type of music, pop punk and indie, I'd greatly appreciate it. All right, without further ado, let's get into it. friends what is up welcome to the show my name is kyle you probably already knew that today i'm excited because i'm going to be doing a bit of a departure episode i've done a few of these over my tenure of doing this podcast i just got back from vacation and i don't have a guest this week but that's okay i've got some podcast guests lined up for this weekend and next weekend that i'm really excited about to share with you guys so this episode is going to be based on something that i learned on monday on monday i learned on instagram because that's where you learn everything these days, right? Social media. That two, count them, two of my favorite bands of all time, two of which we've already covered extensively on this podcast, are going to be doing a co-headlining show at the legendary Chain Reaction in Anaheim, California. And they're doing this on Friday night. They're doing this on Friday evening this week. The two bands are none other than Taking Back Sunday and Jimmy Eat World. That's right. They've been doing a few shows together, not a full-fledged tour, but they did, I think, about a half a dozen shows. And they just announced that they're going to be playing at Chain Reaction on Friday night and the tickets went on sale yesterday. It is now sold out. So unless you've got a very, very nice friend who happened to buy another ticket for you, you cannot get in. I would imagine it's going to be very, very difficult, but it did sell out. I'm sure it sold out in mere seconds. Now, this is a pretty unique and special thing. Chain Reaction is a bit of a smaller Southern California venue. And the thought of being one of the lucky souls watching these two iconic behemoth special bands performing in such a place has me all sorts of excited and I can't wait to watch the iPhone footage. I'm not even saying that with sarcasm. I legitimately look forward to watching that footage. I'm sure somebody's going to get it. I'm sure it's going to be great. Chain Reaction holds up to 250 people. So a smaller venue for sure punk rock club. They nearly shut down in 2020 and this was due to COVID and being forced to close for so long. The owners mentioned in interviews with local newspapers that they were hemorrhaging money. But what's great is the community rallied behind Chain Reaction and they averted shutting down which was great to hear about. I remember seeing Thrice. They put out a special limited edition t-shirt supporting Chain Reaction. That was really cool. If you watch the Deadbolt video, that's literally filmed in Chain Reaction. That's one of the more famous music videos that was captured in the iconic venue. And I love that video. It's great. Stick to Your Guns did a benefit for the venue as well because they're from Anaheim. And shout out to George Schmidt. I know him. He's a great dude. He's the drummer of the band. Fun fact, Kill It Live, the live album recorded by Newfound Glory that they put out in 2017 was from two shows at Chain Reaction. If you want to hear a great live album from a great band recorded at Chain, you can listen to that one. Chain Reaction holds a 
special place in my heart. Game Time was lucky enough to play there many times throughout our travels in a place they say glistens gold. Speaking of which, yellow card. In California, we loved playing Chain Reaction. I believe we played there five times, a total of five times. There's so much history at Chain. When you walk inside, the venue's walls are covered with t-shirts from bands that have played there over the years. Bands like Slick Shoes and Midtown and Homegrown and Yellow Card and Finch and all the drive through bands and Thrice. I mean... They're all over the walls. So there's a lot of history there. Just when you first walk in, you'll notice it immediately. You can also find a good assortment of band stickers on things too. If you go near the sound area, they've got a little cutout where they're looking at the stage and there's a little tiny room sound booth. And if you look inside, all the equipment has band stickers on it. We played there with Don't Look Down once. We played there with Dogwood. We played there with Off The Record. The latter two, both on Tooth and Nail Records. And we had a lot of fun playing with those bands. And that was their neck of the woods, really. Dogwood's from San Diego, but they had a big fan base in Los Angeles. And off the record, we used to stay with Keith, their singer, and he lived in LA. So that venue, I know, was special to those guys as well. And we were able to play with a lot of really great local bands as well. I think Counterpoint was one. Neural, I believe we played with Neural there. So a lot of fun, a lot of history. One of my all-time favorite venues. It's like most venues that have stood the test of time in that it's dark. It has a venue-like smell. Usually stale booze spills (laughs) is what you're smelling. And the faintest hint of sweat. (laughs) I mean, that's what you're going to smell when you go into a venue that's been around for a few years. And Chain Reaction has been around for a few years, for sure. My partner, Pamela, and I, we went to LA a couple years ago, and she surprised me with a ticket to a Chain Reaction show. And we got to see Bristol to Memory, Odd Robot, and one other band that I forget the name of, but it was so much fun. It was a great show. I ended up listening to both Bristol to Memory and Odd Robot a lot after that. And I'm reminiscing whenever I listened to those two bands about the Chain Reaction show that we saw. And it had been at least 15 years since I had stood in that tiny all-ages venue, but it just immediately transported me back. It's not only music that can do that. Sometimes it's a place and that can transport you back to a time and place as well. But it felt the same. All those happy chemicals came flooding in. I have another funny story about Chain Reaction. We played there once and I believe it's the time we played with Dogwood, but we had just had a short meeting with Corey Christopher, who at the time, she's still a booking agent, but at the time she was Yellow Card's booking agent. And I believe she worked with them for their entire career, really helped them out a lot. And that's why we wanted to play for her. But I remember hearing that she was was coming and learning that news, I immediately had a panic attack. And I remember (laughs) vividly having a panic attack in the parking lot of Chain Reaction. Good times. Great memories. So that's Chain Reaction. Pretty cool. Taking Back Sunday and Jimmy World are both playing there this Friday. I'm not sure if I have any friends that are going, but if I see that, I'm definitely going to pick their brain and ask them how it was and look up the set list because I would imagine that's going to be a fun night for anybody in attendance. Okay, so I also wanted to, for fun, and I know we've talked about these two bands extensively, TBS and Jimmy World. I want to just list my three favorite tracks from both bands that are not singles. And I always like doing this. I always like asking people what their favorite album is from bands that we both really enjoy. Or if it's a new band and I'm just checking them out, I always ask people, what's the first three songs I should listen to? This gives me a pretty good idea of what the person's into and hopefully what the band sounds like. I like highlighting songs that aren't singles because we all know what the singles are, okay? I think everybody in the world likes the middle. That song's impossible not to like. And I think the only people that don't like it probably don't like the fact that it was played on the radio a bunch. So maybe it got played out 
out, but there are so many wonderful Taking Back Sunday and Jimmy World songs. And some songs just didn't end up being a single for whatever reason. They didn't make it to radio. They weren't picked by the A&R person. They weren't chosen by the band to be a single. The label didn't necessarily want to make the song a single, but maybe it was a contender at one point. But today I'm going to give you my three favorite songs from both bands that are not singles. And let's start with Taking Back Sunday. Okay. So the first song that is not a single, but it's one of my favorite Taking Back Sunday songs is none other than You Know How I Do off their debut record, Tell All Your Friends. I love this song. I love the fact that you've got this big, sprawling, epic bridge. It encapsulates the Taking Back Sunday sound. It kicks off their first record. I've seen them play this live. It's always a lot of fun. I like how the key changes, but not really. It's almost imperceptible. You don't really notice that the key changes. But that last part, just so fun. All the intermingling vocals and the call and response. The lyrics are incredible. They kick down the doors with this song on their debut record. And every time I listen to it, it gives me goosebumps. So that's my first Taking Back Sunday song that is not a single that should have been a single, really, because the vocals kick off immediately. I could 100% hear this being played on the radio. Obviously, from that record, I remember the buzz in Kansas City. They were playing Key Without the E a lot, but you know how I do would have made sense, too. Okay, and so the second Taking Back Sunday song that I absolutely love that is not a single is the song Air Operator off the album Louder Now, the third album and major label debut. Warner Brothers Records, actually, Louder Now. And what's interesting about this song is right after getting signed to Warner Brothers Records, the group contributed Air Operator, which differs from the final album version, the one that we all know and love on the full length of Louder Now to the video game adaptation of Fantastic Four. Activision, the game's developers, wanted the track written from the viewpoint of Mr. Fantastic. And the group was hesitant, according to Adam Lazara, the band's singer, since the character is an extremely rich, extremely smart guy, and I'm not very smart, and I'm not rich at all, so I couldn't really relate. I have to say, though, I think Adam's actually a really smart guy with really clever and smart lyrics. The song Air Operator was also included on the Fantastic Four soundtrack, but I think when you listen to the lyrics, and this is echoed in other song meanings that I've been able to conjure up on the internets, where they're talking about how it's almost as if this song is about a call to 911. It's an emergency and it's a conversation between the person in trouble and the operator. And the bass at the start of the song is actually supposed to resemble a dial tone, which is cool. I didn't realize that, but now that I listen to it, I don't think I'll ever be able to listen to that bass line again, Mr. Matt Rubano, who, by the way, contributed some awesome bass guitar playing to the new Angels and Airwaves. If you go listen to their new record, Angels and Airwaves, a lot of really cool bass stuff from Mr. Matt Rubano. He's a really underrated, incredible bass player, but he's great on this album. I love this song. I love the energy of it. I love the wacky bridge, the fact that you can't really understand what Adam's saying. The chorus, the repetition, it's just so catchy. It's really high, but the backup vocals are really great. I love the fact that they had Fred sing the backup vocals, so you could feel like when you're listening to it, it's almost like watching them live, and I always did enjoy watching Take Em Back Sunday, whether it be with John or Fred singing the call and response vocals with Mr. Adam Lazara. Okay, so that's my second song. Third 
third song is a song from the second record, Where You Want to Be. The song is called Little Devotional. Now, I know this song has some controversial lyrics. I know it's all about cheating. And when you really look at the words that Adam is using, it sounds like there's some autobiographical lyrics in this song, potentially. Not sure. I just really love the melody. And I love this album. This is my favorite Taking Back Sunday album. And I love all of the songs that aren't singles on this record. I thought Bonus Mosh Part 2, even though that was released as a single, it should have been a bigger single. And if that one wasn't released as a single, that probably would have been my third contender or my first contender for non-single favorite Taking Back Sunday songs. I absolutely love that song. But Little Devotional is great. I love the guitar line in the beginning. It's so hooky and catchy. Fred is really great at writing those pull-off riffs. And it's just got a really catchy chorus, too. Great bridge. Brings it all together. I love this song. I love the latter half of this record. There's a lot of special moments on this record, and this song is a big part of that. Those are my three favorite Taking Back Sunday non-single tracks. So let's move on to Jimmy Eat World, shall we? One of my favorite bands of all time. And man, I feel like everybody loves Jimmy Eat World in some way, shape, or form. Everybody's got a favorite Jimmy Eat World song. Even people who aren't mega fans like Jimmy Eat World and enjoy their music. And I remember when I was playing in a cover band, we would play the middle and people would always get excited about that song. Some of the newer songs wouldn't translate as well, but this one always did. The first song is an obvious one for me, and it's going to be my favorite Jimmy world song period just happens to not be a single although i feel like it could have been a single in the late 90s this is from their album clarity their second full length for capital records and the song is called for me this is heaven in looking for some interpretive meanings from the song online a lot of people were split on whether or not this is a song reflecting on a past relationship or maybe talking about a relationship that's ending when he says things like can you still feel the butterflies it's almost like he's asking somebody if they can remember what it was like when they first got together and how they felt and if they could remember that initial spark of chemistry that they had between each other. And then some people just assume that this song is a love song. So you'll have to let me know what your interpretation is if you've got a strong stance on what the meaning behind this song is. I just know I love it. I love all of the production flourishes from Mr. Mark Trombino. I think he did a brilliant job layering sounds with this song. This song reminds me of U2, especially the bridge on that delayed guitar line that high guitar line that you hear him strumming quickly. I love all of the vocals that are layered on top of each other in the last chorus, the way it brings it all home. The verses are so great. I discovered the song on a compilation of all things, which is kind of a crazy place for the song to even exist. But when Fueled by Ramen first started in the mid-90s, they were picking up steam. A couple years later, they had signed a bunch of bands, and they were actually fortunate enough, probably because Vinny was friends with Craig Aronson, their A&R representative, and he was AR for Less Than Jake and Jimmy Eat World. He probably had him pull it favor because Fueled by Ramen released a Jimmy Eat World EP and it had this song on it. So this was pre-Clarity. And I remember I got a Fueled by Ramen comp. I think I got it for free at a show, maybe a Less Than Jake show. I still have it and it has, for me, This Is Heaven on it. And I remember hearing that song. That was the first time I heard anything off of Clarity. Immediately fell in love with the song. I've seen them play it now maybe five or six times, I believe, if I'm counting correctly. They tend to play it a lot. It seems to be a fan favorite, but 
yeah, for me, this is heaven. I don't know if songs get much better than this. There's just everything you could possibly want in a song in this one. And this also, this sound really ushered in what my understanding of the time was concerning what emo was. So whenever I heard the term emo, this is the song I thought of initially. This is what I thought emo band sounded like. So it was very quickly after this in discovering the song that I heard Death Cab for Cutie, American Football, Mineral, Elliot, bands like that. And that was my first introduction into, I guess what you'd call second wave emo in the late 90s. I think it was 1998 when I heard this song for the first time. Okay, so the second song, non-single track from Jimmy World that I'm highlighting is the fan favorite 23 from fan favorite album Futures, the opus of Futures. Futures is like the cool album, the cool Jimmy World album to like. And I love that record, even if it is kind of sad, 23 is a triumph of a closer on an album. I mean, let's be real, folks. It's an amazing end to an amazing album. There's a lot of room for interpretation with some of these lyrics. I read somewhere once that Jim was around 23 years old when he was writing for Clarity and he was recording Clarity. So I'm wondering if this harkens back to that time and if he's speaking to that time in his life. But some people mention that it's definitely an introspective, quote unquote, get yourself together kind of song. A lot of people's favorite song of all time. Some people interpret it as a song about telling yourself to move on, even though the going gets tough and it seems hopeless. But man, I love this song and it does make me feel hopeful. It does have that emotion in it and that mindset associated with it. I think some people, they also interpret it as talking to maybe the anxious part of yourself and maybe the sad elements of yourself, talking to yourself about how you're beginning to heal and move on and reflecting on that. And there's a bit of still in a stage of fear and confusion as you go through the process of life too. That's what this song brings to mind as well. And life can be a bumpy road and sometimes you don't know where you're headed. That's the sentiment that I get from 23. It always comes on shuffle in my personal training space and I'm always glad to hear it when it does. I love the instrumentation, the way it builds, the intro, and the big outro too. I just think it's a great closer. It doesn't feel like a long song. Incredible. I've heard other bands try to capture this type of energy for closers and they've come close, but I don't know if anybody does it like Jimmy World. favorite Jimmy World song that is not a single, but could have been a single, as could a lot of other songs that didn't get a ton of attention from this record, but I think this record's a classic in and of itself. This song is If You Don't, Don't. And I think what he's trying to say in this song is if you don't feel the same way that I feel about you, then don't lie to me. Just don't tell me what I want to hear, because I prefer the truth, even if it's difficult to hear. And man, what a grown-up, mature sentiment from one of the greatest modern rock and roll albums, pop rock albums of our lifetime, off of Bleed American, Jimmy World's third major label record, and oh, this song. I love the melodies. I love the production. Again, Mark Trombino showing true finesse, really being ahead of his time. For this song to be you know, recorded over 20 years, 
years ago now. It's it's unbelievable, but really listen to it with good headphones and listen to how he pans certain things. Listen to the effects that he's putting on things. Listen to the restraint. Listen to the vocals. Listen to the bridge. All of the added layers, the percussion, the guitars that swell and come in, the backup vocals that swell and come in in the bridge. I mean, oh, I could talk about this song for a while. If you're curious too i go into deep detail on bleed american on the third episode of this podcast go back and check it out because i really talk about all the production elements but this song could have been on the radio it was that good but there was just so many other singles i think there was five singles total so this would have been number six which i don't even know if that's a thing really unless you're just a massive pop star so yeah if you don't don't that's my third and final song that i'm highlighting tonight from these two mega bands and really i said it before but what more do you want from rock and roll bands really taking back sunday and jimmy world with charismatic frontmen, incredible songwriters incredible bands incredible musicianship so much fun live i can't wait to watch the footage from chain reaction such a special venue and it's really cool that these two bands are doing this co-headlining gig and highlighting such a wonderful place with such fantastic and rich deep history so if you're going i want you on my podcast because I want to talk about it. But if we're friends, hit me up ahead of time and let's chat about it because I want to hear all the things. All right, like I said, I've got a couple of interviews lined up. I'm really excited for this weekend. I'm talking to a behind the scenes man that is going to give us the lowdown on recording at a very special recording studio in Colorado. That's the hint I'll give. And yeah, beyond that, we're going to keep talking to band members. We're going to keep diving into the personal development and punk rock ethos because I think those two things are inextricably linked and that's the direction we're headed with this podcast. I hope you're all doing fantastically well out there beyond podcast land. If you're listening, I'm grateful to you. Oh, also, before I forget, and thankfully I have to edit this whole thing, so I'm remembering now at the end of editing, but my band, Game Time, we're releasing another new song, our second new song in 17 years. We're releasing it on Friday. It is called Out of the Dark. It's all about anxiety and how to handle and mitigate it, and I'm really excited to get it out there. We've had it ready for a while now so i'm thankful to get it out there i'm gonna put a lyric video on facebook so if you're friends with me on facebook that's where it's gonna be but it's gonna be on all the streaming networks as well it features guest vocals from none other than somebody that i mentioned today on this podcast josh kimball of dogwood fame and that is just a dream come true he's singing on the bridge and i'm really excited for people to hear it so yeah friday new tune so check that out and i'll talk to you soon bye Hey, thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. I hope you had a good time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to help the podcast out, if you want to do a massive solid for us here at Having a Blast, if you could just leave us a review, a five-star review would be amazing wherever you listen to podcasts. Or if you just want to recommend this podcast to a friend who might enjoy it. All right. Hope you have a wonderful day. Hope you're having a blast listening to your favorite records. I'll talk to you later. Yeah.